Welcome back to the well. This is going to be part four of the series on the end times. Um, so we always approach the Lord in a sincere anticipation of Him, the experience of Him, and that the desire of His heart will be met, fulfilled, and done, and completed uh, in our midst. As we draw near to the Lord, He will draw near to us as a promise we have in Scripture. Um, so, uh, starting, we've been we've been working on deeper things. I think the Lord has been addressing deeper things in our hearts and in our minds and our lives, building uh, a framework and a foundation on which to uh, approach the end times. You know, things about tribulation, truth, um, overcoming, and faith to face the battle. Uh, just certain truths that the Lord really um, has been working to, to get into our hearts because we're all students here, myself included. I just come before the Lord, you know, with you all and seek His heart and am amazed with you at the revelation that He gives us because um, it comes from the Lord. The truth comes from the Lord. The light comes from the Lord. The, you know, God is light and in Him is no darkness at all. And so it's so good to approach him together. So, um, but now I want to look specifically at what Jesus said in Matthew 24. Um, and I want to go back to the beginning of what he started to speak on, uh, the end times <clears throat> and, um, the beginning of his response to the disciples when they asked him, you know, it says the disciples approached him and they said, Lord, what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? This is Matthew 24. What will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And the first thing that Jesus said is, Take heed that no one deceives you. That was his initial response to, to their question. So I want, to, I want to address deceit. I think the Lord wants to address deceit tonight. And um, for all of us, I really believe that the Lord is saying, Take heed that no one deceives you. See to it that you're not tricked. You know, that you don't believe lies, don't believe anyone's lies, and that you, you're not deceived. So I'm going to speak from my own experience in life. Deceit is a terribly fierce evil. Terrible. I don't know that I've suffered anything in my life more than being deceived. So bad. So bad. And it's happened. I've been really deceived before about certain things and suffered a great deal from it. And, you know, at the end of it all, it's like, man, God, what happened? Uh, but what we have today is His Word. We have the Word of life. We have the written Word of God. And we have the living Word of God, which became flesh and is still alive and ministering to us today. And we have the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, to guide us into all truth. And if we know the truth, we will not be deceived. And the entirety of God's word is truth, and every one of his righteous commandments endures forever. That's Psalm 119. And so, knowing the Bible, the word of God, not only the word, the written word, but also the living word, Jesus Christ. This is the truth, and this is the way not to be deceived. And so we're really going to dive into the Word, the Word, and absorb the Word. 
and be completely filled and consumed by the Word of God because it's living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, dividing even to the division of soul and spirit, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. This is Hebrews 4. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. And so the Word is powerful. Um, and it's perfect truth, and by the guidance of the Holy Spirit, we'll be led into the truth of the written Word of God and the living, capital W, the Word of Life, the Son of Man. Um, so watch out, take heed, beloved, that no one deceives you, because we are lied to. The enemy lies to us through many means, all the time. He's a liar and the father of it. That's what the Lord Jesus said. And so... When he speaks a lie, he speaks his own language, his native tongue, and from his own devices. Um, and so many things that the, the enemy uses as vessels of deceit to carry lies to your front door, to your eyes, to your ears. And at the end of the day, you lie down at night. And how many times were you lied to in that day? How many times did the enemy present deceit to you today? One, two, a dozen, two hundred, five hundred. How many times did it show up? You know, it's amazing if we know and believe the truth beyond a shadow of a doubt. And if we're firmly walking in the truth and lies present themselves, but it's just not even given any thought or consideration because we already know and believe the truth. And so it doesn't matter. Literally, it doesn't matter what the lie contains. And how appealing it is if, we, if we're if we firm in the truth, then it won't have any bearing. But the less truth we know, the more opportunity lies have, the more the, the enemy works, because he knows that, to deceive us in so many ways. And we could be lied to so many times in any given day. And then at the end of the day, how many of those lies did we believe? And what's the result in our life? Because believing lies, listen to me, believing lies destroys your life. And believing truth is freedom, is freedom, is freedom. It's so good just to believe truth. And so often the actual battle that we have is not to do something or to force ourselves to do something. The actual battle that we have is to believe the truth beyond a shadow of a doubt. That might be the hardest thing. Because the do will come naturally out of what we believe, yeah? So, it says in James 1, Blessed is the man who endures temptation. For when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. This is James 1.12. Um, and then it continues, Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own evil desires and enticed. Or by his own desires and enticed. Then, when desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, and comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Okay, specifically here. 14. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. So temptation doesn't come from God. There's a desire within, a sinful desire within that we all have. We're all tempted. We all experience temptation. We have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But the desire, it says, 
We're, we're tempted when we're drawn away by the desire and enticed. Enticed, it means convinced of falsehood or convinced of something that's bad. We're enticed. We're taken over by this desire and essentially enticed is deceived. Oh, it seems so good. And we bite and we take the bait or the mouse goes for the cheese. It looks so good. Surely there's no danger. And then, snap, he's dead. Hmm, then when desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. So we're deceived at times by the desire that's in us. The desire that's in us leads us astray that is away from the truth, and it leads us into sin and into lies. And so, Jesus said, and take heed that no one deceives you. Today, we can begin to prepare so that we will not be deceived in the future. And the way that we can prepare is by living in righteousness and holiness before God. And when desire in us, sinful desire, rises up, and we know it's sinful, we already know it's sinful, we refuse, we forsake that desire, the sinful desire, and we turn back to the truth of God, and we feed on His faithfulness, and we feed on His love, and we feed on His righteousness, and we feed on just who He is. This is the work of God, to believe in the one whom He sent. Just believe in Jesus Christ and we feed just on Jesus. Um, because anyone who comes to him will never hunger and he who believes in him will never thirst. This is John 6. Jesus said that. And so if we have so much desire, we need to feed on the Lord and on his faithfulness and his goodness, his truth and his love and everything about him and on him himself and receive his sacrifice and his death on the cross for us into our being. That's eating his flesh and drinking his blood, receiving him receiving what he did for us into our being and we'll be satisfied and we need to make habit of this and continually walk out a lifestyle of righteousness because the more we do so beloved the more we do this the more that's that sinful desire in us becomes powerless it becomes powerless and if we make a habit of righteousness if we make a habit of forsaking sin if we make a habit of um killing putting to death the desires of the flesh and saying no to the evil one and saying no to temptation and saying no to sin, as we make a habit of this, it becomes weaker and weaker and weaker and weaker. And then, when the desire comes, it's already so weak and it already doesn't even have a voice in our life and we will not be led astray and we will not be enticed by it. This is so important. And so Jesus said, do not take heed. He said, take heed. He said, watch out. There's a plea, there's a yearning plea, a cry from the heart of God, watch out for this. Please take heed that no one deceives you. Today we start to prepare not to be deceived in the end times. We're already facing the end times, we're already living in them. This is the last chapter, dear saints. But um, if we prepare now as best we can for the things that are coming upon the earth, and the way to prepare not to be deceived is to walk in righteousness. A consistent, faithful lifestyle of forsaking sin, forsaking and denying sinful desire, and pursuing holiness. Pursuing it consistently. 
because then the, the, the desire loses its voice and it loses its power in us. And this is an act of the grace of God. Be assured of this. I'll speak from experience that just trying to force it, you know, of my own strength to oppress, to kill the desires of the flesh cannot work, period. The answer is faith in Jesus Christ, believing in Him. This is the answer. Receiving freely, freely receiving the gift of His grace without striving, just by believing, just by saying, yes, Lord, I don't want that sin. I want you and I want your righteousness. And I believe in Jesus. I believe in your love. This you know, lifestyle of sincere faith, continually, continually receiving His love. This is the answer. The answer is not fighting it of, our, of ourself. But as we do this, as we abide in His love, and as we abide in His grace, and His grace works in us as power uh, to overcome every sin and every temptation through faith, um, then we will not be deceived by the power of temptation. Listen, the enemy knows our desires. He knows we have sinful desires. And so with the lie that he wants us to believe, he'll mix it all up with something that really appear, appeals to our desire. Does that make sense? He'll make something that's just purely, you know, disgusting. A, a, a pure lie. Something that no one would ever fall for. He makes it appear good. And he appeals specifically to the sinful desire in us. And he uses that desire in us. That that desire itself will draw us astray by how good it seems. And then in the end, it's a trap. Yeah, and so there's always some kind of, you know, there's something in it for me. The way the devil lies to us, there's something in it for us. You know, glory, pleasure, you know, lust, greed, something, something in it for us. Um, and that's, that's the manner in which he draws us away. So the lifestyle of righteousness, when those desires kind of come into play, um, will overcome. But if we're living our life, listen to me, if we're living our life consistently in sin, if we're, if we're giving into those desires, if we're not overcoming the desires, if we're allowing ourselves every day to be drawn away by those sinful desires and enticed and fall into sin, then it becomes so strong, it starts to dominate and to take over our entire lifestyle. It starts to just overtake us, and it has the authority, and it has the power. And it says in Romans 6, Whoever you present yourself slaves to obey, you are that one's slave, whom you obey, either of sin leading to death or of righteousness, um, obedience leading to righteousness, ultimately leading to life. And so if we make ourselves slaves of sin, then uh, we will indeed be stuck. And when the day of tempting comes... And then when the day of trial comes, when the day of lies from the evil one come, listen, we will not be able to find the way to overcome. We'll be deceived. And for this reason, we can't wait. We can't say, well, I can live how I want today, but when things really start to go down in the end times, or when things really get serious, then I'll, I'll, I'll act up, I'll change my ways, and I'll come back to the Lord. You know, the enemy always wants us to think this way, and he always wants us to think in terms of what we can get away with. I'm sure that if I try and manipulate the thing and control this or that, I can get away with this much, you know, and no more. Mm, this is the opposite of love. This has nothing to do with love. If we really love God, then we'll, we'll see not how much we can get away with for ourselves, but how much we can give away and forsake just in order to know the Lord and to have Him. 
and our and our actual sincere intent will be just trying to get away with more of God and more obedience and more you know righteousness and more holiness because we love Him and we want to do what pleases Him and we want more of Him. So yeah, it's very unfortunate, but many people think this way that on the last day, at the last moment, they'll just be able to change their way and overcome the things that are coming upon the earth and then be okay. But Jesus said, he warned us before, he said, watch always and pray that you may be counted worthy to escape all the things that are coming upon the earth and to stand before the Son of Man. In other words, prepare today, start today, a lifestyle of righteousness and truth, honesty and holiness and sincerity before God in order to be ready on that day. That's very sad, but many people will be trapped on that day and they won't be able to overcome and they won't be able to escape the, the terrible judgment that's coming upon the world, and they'll be deceived. You know, and they'll fall into these things because they've allowed their flesh and its desire to rule their life, their entire life. And then when the day of testing came, it's it was too much. And so may that never be so, and may that never be true of any of us, in Jesus' name, and may the Father give us grace today to forsake in a deeper, fuller way those things that we need to forsake, you know, and things come to my mind even now. I have, I, I am conscious of, you know, those desires in me that are sinful and that do not please the Lord, that come back on the daily basis, that need to be forsaken. So, Father, I'm asking that you would give us awareness of those things and I speak hope into every sin right now that it will be forgiven and that it will be forsaken and will be overcome in Jesus' name. Because this is what your word says, Father. And you said that you would set us free. You said that if we abide in your word, we are your disciples indeed and we will know the truth and the truth will make us free. And you said that our sins are forgiven us for your name's sake. You said that this is the victory that overcomes the world, our faith. You said that you will not allow us to be tempted beyond what we are able, but with the temptation you will provide a way of escape. Not that you are tempting us, but that as we're led astray by our own desires and as the evil one tempts us, you come in to rescue us. And even in the midst of our weakness, you give us a way out, an escape. And you're able to sympathize with us in our weakness because you yourself were weak and you were tempted in every way that we are, Jesus, yet without sin. We trust you to deliver us from every temptation and that we will overcome. Thank you, God, for changing patterns of sin. Thank you for eliminating addiction right now in Jesus' name. I'm talking about deep roots of sin that have been there for 40 years are being uprooted and pulled out right now. In Jesus' name, we're not going back there. We're going towards the light and we're going towards the kingdom of God. Because we can't afford to continue in, in unrighteousness. Unless that day come upon us like a snare and like a trap. And we not be ready for, for the things that are to come, God. Save us, Lord. Save your people. Thank you for your faithfulness. In Jesus' name. Amen. So it says in Proverbs, Buy the truth and do not sell it. And this is wisdom. This is wisdom. Buy the truth, and do not sell it. Hmm, Father, thank you that you're so good. It's difficult, you know. It's truth is it's hard for our for our being because we've been living so much in the terrible 
you know, realm of lies for so many years. We've been trained by lies and trained that everything's okay and nothing ever is uncomfortable and everything always meets our own selfish desire. Unfortunately, that's what the world will kind of try and train us from birth. And then the truth comes, and I'm speaking right now, you know, for myself, the truth comes and it's hard and it's heavy. It's like, yikes. Uh, But it's such a good thing this exchange in our heart from all this, you know, imagine a, a store, a warehouse with all this storage space and all these shelves, you know, and it's just full of dirt and dust and grime and it's just lies. That's what's happening in our heart, you know. Um, all these, you know, these, this junk packed into the storehouse of our heart and it's a little dirty and it's grimy and it's disgusting and it's rotting and it's rancid and it's lies in our heart. And then as the word of God comes in and the power of the Holy Spirit, there comes this you know swift current of God's river or wind that comes and all of a sudden it just starts to take everything out. All of that, all of that. It pulls it off the shelves, you know. The spirit of God is getting in there and doing a great work in our heart. And it's, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's a big task. And it's hard sometimes, but it's so good to get all that dirt out, to clean everything, you know, really wash everything with the word. Jesus said, you are already clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. And he said, sanctify them. He was praying to his father. Jesus was praying to the father. He said, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. And so the lies get taken out of our heart and there's a space for the truth to come in. Neat and orderly the way that it's supposed to be. Everything in order. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. What our heart really desires. Sure, the process is arduous at times, but it's so good. Mm. Thank you, Father, for the truth. I'm willing. Are you willing? Are you with me in this, brothers and sisters? Are you with me in this walk to forsake the lies and say, Yeah, Father, come on, get in my heart. Get into the depths of my heart. Take out any lie that I believe and replace it with your perfect truth. And when I find the truth in your word... I'll believe it beyond a shadow of a doubt. Thank you, God. Are you willing to fight this fight with me? Let's do it together in Jesus' name. So Proverbs says, Buy the truth and do not sell it. This is so, so, so important. Because in buying or purchasing, there's an exchange. Right? I have something. I have something. This, the other person has something. And we want to exchange. I want what they have. They want what I have. We exchange. I give them what I have. They give me what they have. And we're both happy. We're good with it. And I walk away. I've, I've purchased something or, or sold something. Buying and selling works that way. There's an exchange, you know, between two parties um, of something. And so buy the truth and do not sell it. That is, take what you have... I'll take what I have, and I'll give it away in order to have the truth. Sometimes I have desires that love lies. Sometimes I have desires that love lies, and they entertain lies all the time. Because my my selfish desire might be like, no, it's not time to fast. No, not right now. Why? Why? Why does that lie have such a precedence in my life? Because... I, you know, because my flesh desires to eat. That's it. And so I have this strong desire in my flesh. This is just an example. I have this strong desire in my flesh to eat. And then the truth is, it's time to fast. Do you see that? 
by the truth. I'm going to I'm going to exchange this desire for the truth. This is just an example that it's time to fast, okay? So I'm giving away this desire of my flesh. It says, "No, I want to eat. I want food." I'm giving it away and saying, "No, that is that I'm forsaking, that I'm putting off, and I'm receiving the truth that says it's time to fast." All right, right now. Let's do it. However many hours, however many days, however many weeks, let's do it because I want the truth. And so this applies to so many things in our life. And we'll have a desire that that hates the truth and doesn't want to come into the truth, hates the light and doesn't want to come into the light so that it can have its own way. Sell that. Sell the desire and take the truth. Buy the truth and do not sell it. Or, on the other hand, you know, I might have this, this truth that, okay, the truth is that the kingdom of God is at hand, salvation is a free gift, and people are dying in their sin. Now, that's a heavy truth, but it's true. And so, I'm in, you know, Subway, getting my sandwich, and all of a sudden I feel this conviction in my heart, like I just need to speak the name of Jesus to this person making my sandwich. This would be on a day when it's not time to fast. <laughs> yeah. And, and so the truth is, this person is dying in their sin, without hope and without God in the world. And I have the answer, and his name is Jesus. And it's that simple. That's the truth. But then, there's this other thing in the mix. You know, this other thing called fear. Like, wait, what are they going to say? Like, I'm going to look like, maybe I'm not going to look the best. Maybe they're not going to get it. Maybe I'm going to say something wrong. I'm, I'm afraid... You know, some terrible thing, and then what am I going to do? Am I going to buy the truth, or am I going to sell it? Because I already have the truth in me. And this conviction in my heart, like, okay, I need to say something. This person is going through something. And I just need to tell them that Jesus loves them, and see how they're doing, and if I can pray for them, and whatnot. But then this other thing comes, called fear, and there's this temptation in me to exchange, and be like, this idea that I need to speak the name of Jesus to this person, ah, it's probably not for me right now. And I, and I give that truth away, and I forsake it, and I take on this safety net, you know, this protection so that I can hide and just be like, thanks for the sandwich, you know, God bless you, have a good day. Oh, that's good enough. See, do you see the exchange between the desire or the fear and the truth? Solomon said it very well in Proverbs. He said, buy the truth and do not sell it. It doesn't matter what else there is available. It doesn't matter how many people, you know, it's so easy to fall back into this desire to please people. And be like, man, if I said this, everyone would like it. Everyone here would like it. They would be very happy with me. They would really like me. You know, that thing that I'm tempted to say is not entirely true. It's actually pretty much a lie. But if I say it, I'm going to get favor from these people, and I'm going to get what I want. And it's going to help so many things in my life, and really it's just a small lie. I mean, it's it's almost practically, basically true, right? Do you see this logic, how, how quickly it happens? Look at all these people waiting for me right now in this moment, waiting for a response. I've already waited a few seconds. They're wondering what in the world I'm thinking. How am I going to respond? What am I going to say? Because if I answer in a certain way, they're going to approve of me. They're going to love me. Yeah, I was there. I know I know what he's talking about. Boom. You just told a lie. You exchanged the truth of God for a lie. Mm. 
and they're all like, wow, amazing, great, this wave of approval comes, but unfortunately it's built on falsehood. So yeah, these things happen. Unfortunately, they happen. And uh, the grace of God saves us from them and delivers us consistently. And, you know, speaking from experience, the mercy of God is like a, it's like a machine, you know, in me that works every day to forgive my sins. This is the function of mercy. Not just when I get saved does mercy work, but it works in me every day. And as I make mistakes, the mercy of God completes its good function in my life by pardoning my iniquity and transgression and sin. Hmm. As I continue steadfast in repentance, thank God for His mercy which endures forever. The Lord is good and His mercy endures forever. And He delivers us from these things. Um, but this is it, beloved sons and daughters of God. This is it. Um... Dear believers, is um, this lifestyle of living in the truth, living in the light, living in honesty, and living in righteousness before God. You know, back to James 1, it says, But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. And so, it's the desire in us that tries to well, us, well up and lead us astray, but living consistently in righteousness will deplete the power and the force of the desire so that when the day of testing comes, we will not be deceived in Jesus' name. And with that, we live every day, every day consistently buying the truth and not selling it. We buy the truth and we do not sell it. And then when lies present themselves, it doesn't even appeal to us at all because we already know the truth. Our senses have been exercised um, through practice of these things, to discern good from evil, and, um, and we will overcome, and we will not be deceived uh, by practicing these things. Also with this, I want to state briefly that there is a fear in many people about being deceived that causes them not to listen to God. We're afraid we're going to be deceived um, in this life on the, on the daily basis. And so because of that, we don't even ask God questions. We don't want to be in the current speaking of God because we're afraid perhaps we'll be wrong. And this is so real. But this is not the answer to deceit. You know, the answer, the answer to deceit is not avoiding God altogether. It's not. But so often we do that because we're afraid of being deceived. And so we think, well, logically, quickly, even subconsciously, we think and we reason within ourselves saying, well, if I don't listen at all, I can't be deceived. If I don't listen to anything at all, I won't be deceived. I'll be safe, right? And we run to that safe place. But unfortunately, we're listening to something one way or another. One way or another, lies will present themselves to us, certainly. And um, it's actually uh, not, it's actually the opposite effect if we, if we refuse the current speaking of God. Because he's speaking to us right now, every moment, through so many things, through his word. Just in prayer, he's speaking to us. He's speaking to us with a conviction, you know, and a feeling that we get in our chest. He's speaking to us in dreams and visions. He's speaking to us through other people 
you know, in the body of Christ. He's speaking to us through uh, circumstances and events and situations that happen in our lives. He's speaking to us in so many ways because God is alive and active and, and He's a God who speaks. Um, and we need to grow in listening and hearing His voice. We need to grow in this. Uh, sometimes we think we hear God and we step out and we hit a wall. What happened? Was I wrong? You know? Am I am I totally deceived about all of this? That's hard. That's a very hard thing. Am I am I totally deceived about everything? Do I even know the Lord? Am I even saved? I know this battle, but the, God is a father. God is a father. It says in Psalm 103, As a father pities his children, so the Lord pities those who fear him, for he knows our frame, and he remembers that we are but dust. And so, uh, I know not one single father in this earth who uh, disciplines, who punishes his child as they try to stand up and walk and fall down, and try to stand up and walk and fall down. How much more will our Father who is in heaven have mercy on us as we seek earnestly and sincerely to learn and to know his voice? Do not close down, beloved saint. Oh, listen to the Lord. Listen. Jesus said consistently, he didn't say just pray. He said pray and watch. Pray and watch. In other words, engage. What is God doing? Open your eyes. Open your ears. Engage with God. And we'll overcome all things by faith. Love rejoices in the truth. And when we know God for who he is, and when we interact with him sincerely, we will not be deceived. He's the one ultimately who speaks the truth to us, and he's the one ultimately who um, um, sees to it that we know and believe the truth and that we, that we are not deceived. I know from experience that the striving of man and the, my best effort in the flesh cannot keep me from being deceived. It can't. No matter how hard I try of myself to prove what is right, you know, to test and approve and to figure out what's true and not be deceived, it doesn't work. What I need is God himself to show up and to rescue me and the Holy Spirit to come and to guide me into all truth and to be my counselor. It must be an act of God. If we are not going to be deceived, if we're going to be rescued from deceit, it must be God himself who saves us because this is true of everything in our life, every good thing. Every good thing. We need the Lord to do it. We need the Lord to come in and rescue us. We need a Savior. This is the essence of the Gospel. So take heart, brothers and sisters. We're learning. We're in the process of learning. We're in the process of growth. Sometimes it's a messy process. But we're, it's a process filled with the love and the grace and the mercy of God. And this, in this process, is when we really learn who God is. And we really grow and mature and become mature in Him, trees that can bear much fruit.